Welcome to week number four uh, in our series called Hashtag Struggles, and, and boy, that, that intro, that bumper kind of says it all, doesn't it? Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, how social media has an impact on our lives, and, and really sometimes it's, it's new struggles that it kind of presents, and especially this week, uh, as we really ask ourselves the question, I could care less? And what we're going to discover, we're going to talk about compassion uh, during our time together, is that's just a fact culturally that in the United States of America today, we care less, we're less compassionate as a culture than we used to be 10 years, 20 years ago, largely because of, one of the major factors is, because of social media. And and so the under uh, kind of tagline for this whole series is following Jesus in a selfie-centered world, and, and we're not down on social media. We use social media a lot here uh, at Valley Christian Church. Uh, uh, in fact, many of you have actually come to Valley Christian Church the first time because you saw something that someone posted uh, about Valley Christian Church on social media. Uh, so we're trying to just look at some of these issues, wrestle them down to the ground, and, and really understand what God has to say about it because we want to be wise with this great tool called social media. So that's why we're calling this series Hashtag uh, Struggles. And next week, we're going to be concluding this series, and and we're going to talk about rediscovering rest, rediscovering rest. And so I I hope you'll make plans to be here for that and not sleep through this message today. So anyway, uh, what we want to do is, uh, when think about it, think about compassion and all, there's so many, we're constantly bombarded with these issues, uh, and, and again, because of social media, similar to that, that bumper there, you know, you're just scrolling through, and, and you're looking at, uh, you know, this particular football player signed this contract, and, and then all of a sudden, oh, look at that recipe for guacamole, and look at that reporter who was beheaded in the Middle East, and then, oh, this video of a kitty cat, and, and, and it just, it, 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 we become desensitized because it's always in front of us. And and I think especially as followers of Jesus Christ, there's a real danger in becoming desensitized to issues that we should really have compassion about. And so I think this is a pretty uh, important uh, message this week. That being said, two weeks from today, we're launching a brand new series called Silent No More, and it's all about being compassionate, real practically. We've been working on this for probably over a year behind the scenes and really excited about highlighting a number of different organizations and ministries that we partner with here at Valley Christian Church uh, to, to just make a difference in our community. And that'll be our two weeks from now, starting this series, Silent No More. Uh, but how many of you remember the, the ice bucket challenge? Remember that? Everyone's pouring that. Who remembers what that was for? Okay. Two of you, that's great. See, that's the whole thing. It was ALS, or also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. But it's like everyone like, bucket, ice, boom, I'm full of compassion. And it was about last time, you know, this time last year, I think it was, or, or, or so. And, and now you just don't hear anything about it. That's, that's kind of the challenge of social media. It's like everyone's talking about it, and then it goes away, and nobody hears much about it a- anymore. And so it's interesting, there was a comprehensive study done at the University of Michigan that studied 14,000 college students between the years of 1979 and 2009, and it showed a sharp decline, a sharp decline in empathy or compassion. 
In fact, what the study showed, again, in this window of time, 1979 to 2009, that actually as a culture, as a country, we care 40% less than we did in the 1980s. Compassion is now 40% less than we did in the 1980s. And the questions that they asked the students were this, just, just to kind of rate how they would rate themselves based on these statements. I sometimes try to understand friends better by looking at their perspective. And then they asked this question, I often have tender, concerned feelings about less fortunate, those less fortunate than me. And, and, and what they discovered was this, fewer and fewer students in that time frame, 1979 to 2009, 30-year window of time, Fewer of them call themselves soft-hearted, and others don't even bother about people that they would look at in terms of being underprivileged or less privileged than they are. Just don't give any thought to them whatsoever. And it's just changed so much in a relatively short period of time. This drop in compassion also coincides with the rise of social media and technology. And, and, and what sociologists have, de- have determined is this, the constant bombardment has actually desensitized us to being compassionate on other people. So answer the, this question first, I'd like to answer this question first. How does technology cause us to care less? And by the way, using technology, if you have your, your Valley Christian Church app, just open it up, because this is a good way to use technology, and you can follow right along and fill in the blanks. How does technology cause us to actually care less? Well, first of all, we're more obsessed with ourselves than ever before as a culture and a society. More obsessed with ourselves than ever before. Uh, In fact, uh, you you know, the whole idea of a selfie. It didn't, didn't even exist just a few years ago. The whole idea of selfie is it's about me. In fact, just before uh, service, uh, one of the staff members knocked on the door and needed to talk to me about something, and, and I was cleaning my glasses, and I was holding them up to the, the light like that, make sure there weren't any smudges on it, and walked in, and they thought, oh, I started laughing, and they said, I thought you were taking a selfie of yourself. And I was like, you don't even know me. You don't know me. If you thought I was in this office by myself taking a picture of this, you, you don't even know who I am. It's just, just not who I am at all. But this whole idea of selfie, and there's all different types of selfies. I don't, know, I don't know if you realize how many different types of selfies there are. There's the driving in my car selfie, which the degree of difficulty is, is depending on if you're actually in gear moving or not. If you're actually moving, driving down the road, high degree of difficulty. Oh, and by the way, eight points on your license from what I understand. Someone told me that. Uh, and then the, the duck face selfie, which... which I don't know really where that came from, the duck face selfie, but it is to say, I think this is a lot easier in terms of a scale of difficulty for women than it is men. Uh, men that try to do a duck face, it just looks like you're trying way too hard. It doesn't work for guys, but, but women are able to do that. See, I can't, I don't know what that is really. <laughs> then there's the me and my BFF selfie, and for those of you who don't know what BFF is, it means best friend or bestie. 
This is, this is so I can document, this is my bestie, in case we don't talk to each other from this day forward. So we take a picture uh, of that together, uh, me and my BFF. Then there's the kissing somewhere cool selfie. Now this could be difficult uh, because you've got to get the lip lock right at the right moment. And, and also it's got to be some wonderful environment around you. So there's a high degree of difficulty, but it also has a high reward. Uh, then there's the me and my pet selfie. Me and my pet selfie. This is hard because the darn dog always wants to blink. Have you ever noticed that? It's just so hard, like, say cheese, and they don't say anything. And you're trying to take the picture uh, of you and your pet. Oh, and how about this one? I know none of us have ever done this before, have we? Though we've got great seats to the big game while you're home alone selfie. How about that one? We, we've got great seats to the big game and you're at home alone all by yourself and miserable. That's kind of just like that, rubbing it in kind of a selfie. Then it's me and my food selfie. We don't care what you're eating. We don't care. No one cares about your tuna fish sandwich. It doesn't matter if it's the best one ever. We don't care. Or, and then how about this one? The rocking this new outfit selfie. <laughs> And boy, if the right people don't give you a like on that, or like, ooh, you look so hot, you know, it just really ruins your day. So I've heard, because I'm not into it, really. Or the just woke up selfie. Please don't do this. <laughs> just, just some hazard. Don't, don't do that. So, haven't showered in three days selfie. That's not a good move. That's just not a good move. Or the, the new do selfie. That would be the one I would do. Actually, I, I got a haircut today, can you tell? Maybe I should post a picture uh, about it. I cut my hair every five days, it's just a problem. So, or this one, this, this is the ultimate selfie in my opinion. The restaurant birthday sombrero selfie, huh? Do you know that one? Just go down to Margarita's on your birthday. They'll stick that sombrero on your head that's been worn by thousands and thousands of sweaty people, and then you get your picture taken for that one. But the whole thing, we're obsessed about ourselves. See, what do all these things have in common? Me. It's about me. And when, we, when our attention is so much, watch this now, on me, our attention is not on others. And, and I think it's a real hashtag struggle that we need to think about. Social media increases, we've talked about this in the past in the series, the amount of dopamine released in my body. Did you know they've actually done studies about this? 80% of social media posts directly relate to the person who's actually posting it. In other words, it's about me, it's not about something else. It's not about someone else. 80% of the posts are me. Look at me. Think about me. 80%. Now, now I, I've mentioned uh, in, in the series, I think it was 2007, so it's coming up on 10 years uh, that I've been on Facebook, and, and I originally joined Facebook, uh, opened an account there uh, to, to be in contact with football players that I coached uh, over the years. And uh, now they have this whole timeline thing where, where it shows you like what you posted on that day. And, and man, <laughs> I'm like, what was I doing? You know, in 2008 and, you know, uh, boy, pollen count high, blowing my nose a lot. <laughs> Why did I do that? 
who cares about that, you know, or, or anything. So uh, I, I hope that I've grown a little bit over the years in my post. Now I, now I really try to make a concerted effort to encourage people in what I post, to inspire them, to give them a, you know, you know, a pep in their step, maybe a different perspective on a difficult day. But, but 80% of social media use directly relates to the person using it. And, and so what happens is when that 80%, when we post something about us and someone likes it, that little shot of dopamine, it's rewarding us for being self-centered. It's a chemical reward in our brains for being self-centered. And, and we get almost addicted to that little shot of dopamine, chemically released in our bodies. So, so we're more and more obsessed with ourselves. Here's the second thing that technology has caused us to care less, how it's caused us to care less, is overwhelming exposure to suffering, as I said, desensitizes us. We, we become comfortably numb to, to issues that used to break our heart. We become desensitized. The more often that we see pain, the harder it is for us to care each time that we're exposed to it. And we're exposed to it all the time. Not, not just through social media, but, but also in television, you know, computer, all those things. The 24-hour news cycle constantly bombarding us. And we get desensitized to it. And so the overwhelming exposure is something that previous generations didn't have to deal with this. You know, I remember remembering, uh, as I was driving in today, uh, I remember Labor Day <laughs> watching the Jerry Lewis telethon. And it was like we couldn't take our eyes off the TV. And one star after another, and they, they, they would have the different groups that would come, and they'd, they'd pledge this amount, you know, for muscular dystrophy and, and, and you know, for research and, and all that. And, and now it's not even on. Uh, to my knowledge, anyway. I think it went, they stopped that a number of years ago. But, but I remember it was like we would be watching that as a family and it was just, our hearts would be breaking. I, I wonder why it's not on any longer. I wonder if it's because we've just become desensitized. Maybe. I'm not sure. Here, here's the third thing that technology, how it's caused us to care less. Lack of personal interaction makes it easier not to care. Lack of personal interaction, face-to-face, -face, and that's what we've been talking a lot about. Not thumbs-to-thumb, -thumb, but face-to-face -face interaction and relationship with people, how important it is. It actually makes it easier not to care. You know, when, uh, when we hear a friend of ours lost their job, you know, it, it, it's easier to not suffer at a distance where you say, oh man, thinking of you. What does that even mean? <laughs> There's a big difference between putting a sad face on someone's post, I lost my job, and going out and getting a cup of coffee with them. They say, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. I'm depressed, I'm down, I don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. That's face-to-face -face interaction. That hits at a much, much deeper level than, than just thumbs to thumbs. Social media presents its content as if every message in our newsfeed is equal. But they're not. They're not equal. 
That, that guacamole recipe is not on the same level as, as my friend losing his job. It's just not that, 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 that kitty cat video that you actually think is cute. It's just not the same as, as, as someone that was just diagnosed with cancer. But, but that's what social media, it presents it on the same exact package. It's saying this message is equal to this one. And we have to recognize and be able to sort that through. See, here's the thing. True compassion demands action. And and liking something is not an action. (laughs) It's just an acknowledgement. It's not an action. True compassion demands action. The, The Greek word in the Bible in the New Testament for compassion, and I've been practicing this for almost 10 days now, and I'm still not sure I can even pronounce it right. But the Greek word for compassion is the Greek word splagchenesimai. Splagchenesimai. And what it literally means, you don't have to try to remember that, but what it literally means is this, the word compassion, listen to this, pretty interesting, it means to have your bowels yearn to feel deep sympathy, to be moved into action. And the idea in the ancient culture was this, that that all the emotion was ultimately in your intestines. It was deep inside of you. And so the idea is, in the Bible, when it talks about Jesus being moved with compassion, it means he felt an ache in his stomach. He, he looked out on those that were, that were needy, that those that were desperate, those who were impoverished, those who were sick, and it made him sick to his stomach. And that's the compassion he wants us to have. That's, that's what true biblical compassion is. True compassion demands action. Demands action. And so, let me put it this way. To say you care but not act is to not care at all. To to say that we really care about someone or something, but it doesn't move us to action, we really don't care. We really don't care. Caring is not liking a post, but loving a person. And love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is taking a step and doing something about it. Caring is not liking a post, but loving a person. Look at Mark chapter one, what it says about Jesus. Mark chapter one, verse 40 and 41. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And then it goes on and it says, Moved with compassion. Do you hear that? That, that Greek word again? That, that Jesus, ooh, in, his, in his belly, in his gut, he's moved deep inside of him. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and he touched him. He, he physically had contact with him. Compassion is action. He reached out and he touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Compassion is always touching. You you know, for many people, uh, we talk about the five love languages. Maybe you've read that book before. It's really great. One of the love languages that people have is touch. 
And we, we talk to our kids all the time, Susie and I, you know, and, and we talk about their love languages and we realize our kids all have love languages that are, that are different than, than each other and ours are different. And uh, for, for me personally, my top number one love language is touch. My second lo- highest love language is touch again. So, uh, <laughs> but, but Jesus touched them. Jesus touched them. Because of compassion, it moved him to action, touch. And, and we need to just remember that so much, that compassion is always a movement to action. Look at Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 14. When Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion. Huge crowd. He was moved with compassion on them. Moved with compassion for them. He, he had compassion on them, and look at what, he healed their sick. He did something about it. He didn't just say, oh man, I feel bad. And then he went about his business. And on social media, that's like really what we're doing, like, oh, I'm sad. And then we just go about something else. He was moved, with, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. He didn't say, wow, I'm really thinking about y'all, but I gotta go do something else right now. He stopped and he touched them. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, it said, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, the blind men. Touched their eyes. And immediately they received and their sight, they received their sight and followed him. Again, you see this connection between compassion and action, this connection between compassion and touching someone who's hurting, face to face, hand to hand, just to touch them, just like that. Here's, here's, the, here's the, str- the struggle. The more I'm obsessed over social media, the more I care about me and the less I care about other people. I don't know any other way to put that. That the more that I'm obsessed about social media, the more I care about me and the less I care about others. But here's the contrast to that, that I I believe I've seen this in, in many people's lives. The closer I get to Jesus, the less I care about me and the more I care about him and the people he cares about. That's, that's what God's after in every one of our lives. That's what he really wants to see. The, the, the people I know that, that are getting closer and closer to Jesus, they're, they're less and less concerned about themselves. And, and they're more and more concerned about Jesus and about the people that he cares about. Others, not themselves. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He said, this is the way it's gonna be. This is the way it has to be. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must love selfies. <laughs> love themselves. That's not what he said. He said the exact opposite. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now listen, 
Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you take a picture of yourself, you know, or with a friend, with your, with your bestie or, or whatever, or in a romantic lip lock with your spouse. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong or anything like that. But, but if you post 25 in the course of 10 days, maybe you ought to think about that. Because Jesus said, you've got to deny yourself. The closer we get to Jesus, the less we think about ourselves and the more we think about others. And we're moved with compassion. When people are really close to Jesus, their lives are no longer about themselves. When people are really close to Jesus, their lives are no longer about themselves. You know, uh, I, I, I love all kinds of... Uh, all kinds of music, I really do. And, um, you know, isn't it a bummer, you know, Prince dying? That's just, that was just terrible. At 57 years old, it's way too young. I was a junior in high school, 17 years old, when Purple Rain came out. And, uh, you know what I'm singing about? Come on, raise your hand, Purple Rain. <laughs> I love all kinds of music, I really do. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I love uh, Prince, you know, I have a couple of Prince songs on my phone, you know, for ages, and uh, Sinatra, Sinatra's my favorite, and uh, Frank Sinatra recorded a song, I, I think, I was looking the other night, I think I have 370 Sinatra songs on my phone, and, uh, and, and it, actually Elvis recorded it first, my way, I did it my way, listen, you live life your way, you lost, sucker. You, you just, you wasted it. As much as that, like, that, that is like the humanistic manifesto song. That's the theme song right there. Total, polar opposite of following Jesus. I did it my way. Regrets, I have a few. <laughs> Susie said, please don't sing. No. <laughs> when you really are close to Jesus... Your life is no longer about yourself. It's about him, and it's about others. So, so here's three things about compassion I want to share with you in our remaining time. And, and, and this challenges me. And as I said, Susie and I, and then a lot of the staff joining us in the last probably six months or so, but Susie and I have been working real hard behind the scenes for the last year on this new series we're kicking off in two weeks uh, called Silent No More about generous compassion and, and just being moved to action. So I do want to kind of stir you up. Three things about compassion that, that, that I'm learning, growing in, haven't arrived yet. Here, here's the first thing about compassion. Compassion interrupts. Compassion interrupts. It, that we're just kind of going about our day and then all of a sudden, boom, it hits us. We, we, we see somebody in need. We, we, we recognize, I don't have much, but I have something I can do. I, I can just, I, I can be there just to put my hand on their shoulder and like, you're not alone. We've got some friends right now that in the hospital. Susan's up there spending some hours with them earlier today and then I called because I had to be here and I asked another one of the pastors to be there while, while a brother in Christ's wife's going through surgery just, just so he's not alone 
and it just kind of interrupts your day. But those are the kind of interruptions that make all the difference in the world. Jesus was constantly being interrupted by compassion. Mark chapter six, in the Gospel of Mark, he was resting in a quiet place, and, and uh, then he saw a crowd, and the crowd needed him, wanted him to teach, so it was his time to rest, but he got up and he taught the crowd. Luke chapter eight, he was on his way to heal a, a, a girl who was dying, and he was interrupted by, by a woman who had been sick for 12 years. And she was healed. Mark chapter 2, Jesus is teaching, and the roof starts caving in. Because there's some guys on the roof tearing open the roof to lower their friend down, who's a paralytic, so Jesus can touch him and he'll be healed. And then interruption. And some of the greatest stories that we have from Jesus' life were interruptions, weren't planned but they were opportunities where where he was interrupted and he was moved with compassion and he did something. He took action as a result of it. God often works in the interruptions and and, and let me just say this. I think plain and simple, we're gonna talk about next week as we conclude this series about rest. Some of us are just too doggone busy. (laughs) We're too busy to be interrupted. And, 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 and we're missing the biggest opportunities because we're spinning our wheels with things that 20 years from now will make no difference whatsoever. No difference whatsoever. 10 years from now, one year from now, it will make a bit of difference. And so it's interruptions. We're too rushed. And, and if you and I are too rushed, you know what? We're going to miss out on some of God's greatest I guess I'd put it this way, divine interruptions. Where he kind of breaks in trying to get our attention because there's something incredible that he wants to show us and he wants us to touch somebody else in need. So the first thing is compassion interrupts. Second thing is this, compassion costs. I, I, I think that's why we avoid it a lot. Not only is it going to interrupt, but it also, it always costs us something. If nothing more than just time and energy, it costs us. Compassion costs us. In our series, uh, uh, Silent No More, we're, we're going to go more detail on this story uh, in, in the Gospels, one that, that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. But for the sake of our time this week, uh, just this, the Good Samaritan, uh, he found a man in a ditch that was beaten and was left for dead. So many people passed by because they didn't have time. And the Samaritan, who, who was kind of like uh, the rejects of the Jewish community, the guy in the ditch was Jewish, he stopped and he bandaged his wounds and he took him to an inn. And in this parable that Jesus tells, he actually left with the innkeeper two days wages so the guy could stay there and recuperate. Two days worth of wages to pay so he'd have an opportunity, this man that was beaten and bloodied, that he would be refreshed and could recuperate. You know, I think for many of us, we want to be drive by compassion, just as as little effort as possible, as little cost, just, just do something and then just move on. Just, just, just forget about it. And so we've, we've begun to equate 
compassion with commenting or liking or favoriting or sharing a link or, or pouring an ice bucket over our heads. But, but I think God just has a little bit more that he, he expects out of us than just ice baths. And so compassion always interrupts. Compassion costs. And, and here's the thing. Clicking is clean. Compassion is complicated. Click, clicking on a status or clicking on a link, that's just clean, that's just easy. Compassion is complicated, and, and when, when we allow God to move us with compassion, we're gonna get our hands dirty. It's gonna be inconvenient. It's, it's gonna be difficult. We're gonna find ourselves in some situations like, what, what am I doing here? How, how did this happen? But in those moments, I believe, we're also, we experience and we learn something more about the heart of God than we ever could just scrolling through. Just scrolling through. Compassion interrupts, compassion costs, and here's the third thing about compassion uh, that, that I'm learning, that I'm discovering, I wanna challenge you with. Compassion changes lives. It really does change lives. And, and here's the thing about compassion is it changed lives. Jesus' life, when you look at it, the, the, the blind were healed, the hungry were fed, the naked were clothed, the broken were restored. But here's the thing about compassion and changed lives. The life that is often changed the most in compassion is your life. The heart of the person who's taken the action. That, that's, the, that's the life that's changed the most the heart of the one who's extending compassion, who's taking that action to touch someone, to encourage someone, to spend some time with someone who's hurting, just to let them know you're not alone. You know, uh, it's funny, uh, back in February, I believe it was February, uh, Susie and I went down to, uh, it was end of February, beginning of March, we were down in Pensacola, Florida, and we like to stay at a hotel there that uh, <clears throat> is our favorite right on the beach there. Uh, it, that's one of the reasons why it's favorite. Uh, the second reason is, for whatever reason there in Pensacola, they have a lot of uh, uh, people that work in the hotel that are from Eastern Europe. And uh, so we go down to the breakfast uh, in the hotel and, and we're always listening for people who have accents. And we hear that kind of Eastern European accent. And we'll get to talking with them. And say, excuse me. You know, we, we noticed that, that, that uh, you have a little accent and your name tag says Natalie. I, I bet your real name is Natasha, isn't it? How in the world did you know? We get to talking with them and, and they say, we've been to Eastern Europe a few times. Where are you from? And they say, oh, well, uh, I'm from Ukraine. I'm from Romania. And they say, where, where, have, you, where have you been in, in Eastern Europe? And we say, well, we've been to Ukraine and We've been to, to, to uh, Moldova, and, and we have some really good friends in Transnistria, and they're like, Transnistria? Why would you go to Transnistria? Because anyone from Eastern Europe is like, nobody wants to go there. Everyone's trying to get out of there. It, it is like the, the number one hotspot for human trafficking in the world. 
and just total devastation in Transnistria. And when we tell them we've been to Transnistria more than once, their eyes are like, It's the, Moldova is the poorest nation in all of Europe. In all of Europe. Transnistria is the poorest part of the poorest nation in all of Europe. And we love it there. We have dear friends there. We have a church family there as well. And, and, and every time I go, I'll tell you, it's inconvenient. I go kicking and screaming until I see those faces light up. And our friends, we're, we're, we're going to be tomorrow Skyping with our friend, Pastor Yuri, in Transnistria there. And once every couple of weeks, we talk with them, and we love them. And, and the first time we went, you know what? God changed lives. He changed my life. He changed Susie's life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we think we did some good while we were there and they'd like us to come back, but, but more than anything, God changed us. And that's what happens when we take the time to be inconvenienced. That's what happens when we take the time to allow some interruption, when, when we're willing to pay the price. Lives have really changed. See, to care and not to act is really not to care at all. And, and so, I just want you to just wrestle down to the ground some of these things that we've been talking about. And as I said, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna not only spotlight some great ministries and organizations in our community that we're partnering with, we're gonna give you an opportunity as well, as a church family, how we can get even more involved with some of these great organizations that are making a huge, huge difference. We don't need to start it as a church. We need to get behind great organizations and partner with them to make a deeper impact, deeper inroads in our community. That's our Silent No More series. But I wanna, I wanna leave you with this thought right now. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you care about him, and the more you care about the people he cares about and the less we care about ourselves. I could care less. I think the reality is maybe we actually do care less than we did at another time in our lives. And I just feel like God's saying, come on, open your heart, and let's be people of compassion, moved inside our bellies when we see someone in need and do something to meet that need. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you that you were moved with compassion when we were lost in our sin and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. And, and Father, he paid in full the price for our sins and he rose again. Father, we thank you that he was moved with compassion when he looked out upon the multitudes and Father, I pray that, that as a church family, we would grow more and more and more compassionate for those that we meet. Lord, not just compassion, that we wouldn't make that mistake that compassion is just like in a status or even favoriting it, the, the, the place that that has, but compassion is really face to face, shoulder to shoulder, 
encouraging someone, just being there with them when they're going through their difficult time. And Lord, may we become more like Jesus, closer to him, and think less of ourselves, and transform our hearts, Lord, though interrupt our days, Father. May we be willing to count the cost, and Lord, change our lives to be more like your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, compassionate. In his name we pray, amen.